over time or understood that you can't really try and protect the environment without involving the local community, without involving landowners and without in, involving people. Welcome to Ecology Matters, a podcast from the Ecological Society of Australia. In each episode, meet a different ecologist, discover what makes them passionate about Australian ecology, what their hopes and fears are for the future of our natural world, and why they think that ecology really does matter. Yeah, that's when I was I was hooked. It's it's really about pursuing one's curiosity and one's passion. I wanted to understand more of the mechanisms behind these things. I could see what I could contribute to make it a better place. I instantly fell in love with Norfolk. It's an amazing result to start with and uh, promising leading to our next experiments. I have to feel it's making a difference. I often feel like I have the best job in the world. <laughs> absolutely huge it's been so wonderful (laughs) joining us this episode is dr sasha yelenek sasha has worked as an ecologist for wwf greening australia and the south australian state government among others and is currently a research fellow at the university of melbourne he has a particular interest in restoration ecology and the role that local communities play in natural resource management In 2021, he was awarded the ESA Members Service Prize in recognition for his outstanding contributions to ecology. I grew up on a farm in northeast Victoria, so it was a beef cattle property, and it was surrounded by forest in a little town called Mitamita. And I used to go up in the mountains quite often, either by myself or with my mum and we used to go and camp up Mount Bogong over the summer holidays. So I found that I had a real connection with the land in that area and also wanted to get a better understanding of how farming and the environment interacted and how we could get better outcomes both for the environment but also for farmers working in natural areas. So I guess that's where things started off. And I I remember the first project I undertook was looking at how the water table had changed as a result of a dam being put in in our local area. And that just really showed me how humans impact the natural environment and how that also impacts our productivity, but also the flora and fauna in that area. So I guess that was really the starting point for me around an interest in ecology. My dad at the time was also doing quite a lot of diving and he was suggesting that maybe I'd like to start a career in marine biology. So that's what I ended up doing initially being a marine biologist up at Townsville. So studying a lot about corals and the reef, but also doing some stuff after universe, studying um, reptiles and frogs. So it was a bit of a funny situation being a marine biologist and having a knowledge of corals and surveying that sort of environment, environment, but also working quite closely with other more terrestrial animals like reptiles and frogs. So that's how things really 
started off for me. And you you seem to have moved away from the marine biology side of things more recently. Have you was that a deliberate switch into into the fields you're working on now? Yeah. After graduating and working a little bit in Townsville, I got an opportunity to work over in the Philippines as a marine biologist. So basically training volunteers how to survey the reef and do surveys underwater using scuba. So I did that for a time. And I, when I came back to Townsville, I was also doing quite a lot of diving, taking tours of people around the reef. And I just found that I really liked that as a recreation, but I was more drawn to the terrestrial environment. So I started to look at how terrestrially we manage the environment and how we could better restore the terrestrial environment. So that interest really kicked off, I guess, from my background. I'm growing up on a farm, but also in the Philippines and in other parts of Australia, seeing how much the land was cleared and thinking about how we could better restore it so both people and the environment could thrive. So it was a decision on my part that I would really want to focus more on the terrestrial environment. And it was quite tricky to get a job as a marine biologist up in Downsville because there's quite a lot of people graduating up there, so there's a lot of competition. So I ended up deciding to move into that more terrestrial space and went around looking for supervisors and ended up down in Tasmania looking at how habitat fragmentation influence reptile species in that area. And I did that for a couple of years and finished my honours and then ended up getting a job overseas with WWF in Laos so looking more at getting communities involved in conservation but also trying to get um, organizations such as well development organizations like care and concern and to a degree the world bank to better understand how development activities impacted the environment and therefore impacted the natural communities that really relied on these natural environments to survive. So it was quite a change moving from, I guess, an academic area of looking how habitat fragmentation influenced animals to an area which was much more looking at how decisions we make in development impacts communities and the environment because over in Laos there was a very strong link between the local communities and also their alliance on the natural environment. I think at the time they were getting something like 75% of their protein from the natural environment so any development activities that could potentially negatively impact the natural environment around them directly impacted their livelihoods. And you, you seem to have continued that that focus on combining applied science and social science. It, would, would you think, would you agree with that? And why do you think this cross-section of applied and social sciences is important? Yeah, that's always been a passion of mine. And I remember starting my PhD and being very clear that I wanted to look at the ecological impacts of 
restoration activities, but also wanting to better understand how landowners especially were impacted by restoration activities and what their attitudes were towards the natural environment and trying to protect areas. And I guess that goes back to my upbringing growing up on a farm and seeing these really obvious benefits to farmers of the natural environment, but also the strains of trying to be productive while at the same time not damaging the environment while they were trying to be productive. So better understanding these constraints that we as humans were under to both uh, make a living for ourselves, remain productive in a farming sense, but also how do you do that and also protect the environment at the same time? And I think understanding people's attitudes, where they're coming from, is a really important first step to helping change those attitudes and also protecting the natural environment. So I don't, I think over time I've understood that you can't really try and protect the environment without involving the local community, without involving landowners and without involving people. And that was also the very case while I was working in Southeast Asia. You couldn't go and try and protect an area without firstly getting the local community on board. I remember going over to a place called Apo Island where a university researcher, a fantastic guy, Angela Kala, was working and he was working with the local communities to get them to understand that if they protected areas of their reef, not only would they catch more fish over time and bigger fish by protecting areas, but it could also help them to bring tourists to the island. And that island is really important area now for seeing how this conservation works. So better understanding how local people protect the environment and how you can enable that has always interested me and been a passion. So I think that's where the link between the social element and ecology is really important and you can't really pull the two apart, I don't think. Do you find that landowners um, tend to be quite cooperative? In a lot of cases, these people have been living on the land for a long time. They understand the importance of the natural environment but are under pressure to maintain a productive farm so it's it is a conflict in a lot of cases but I think if you show people especially if their neighbours are doing something good like um, revegetating along uh, like parts of their paddocks which are unproductive or putting in windrows to reduce the impact of wind on their properties, then the people that you're working with can really see the benefit of this work for their property. So they're much more likely to come on board. So I think people are generally open to these ideas and are generally really happy to get on board. Some not, obviously, but generally speaking, some are. And in that way, you can really start to make a change in a local community. And, and you've mentioned a number of the organisations that you work for, you know, in terms of universities and NGOs and on-ground conservation 
um, organisations. What what role do you think that partnerships like this play in effective environmental management? Partnerships are the most important thing, understanding who your stakeholders are and what everyone wants to get out of what you're doing is one of the most important things. So I think having better links between like non-government organisation, government community groups and Indigenous organisations is a really powerful way to make a change in a local community, especially if people take the time to hear what everyone at the table has to say and to find ways of working together to get an outcome which suits everyone. And ultimately, you're wanting to have outcomes which hopefully have biodiversity benefits so that we're protecting the natural environment, but at the same time provide ecosystem services to either urban areas, waterways or farms. So I think working together with a number of different organisations is key to get the best outcome for the environment over time. It's about bringing up everyone on board and reducing the infighting and trying to get outcomes which ultimately benefit everyone. Ecology Matters is a podcast by the Ecological Society of Australia, a not-for-profit organisation supporting ecologists and ecological science in Australia. We acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. To learn more about our work, follow us on social media, visit our website or sign up to our newsletter. You can find links to these in the show notes. This episode was produced by Grace Heathcote and Elodie Compressi. The theme music is Glow by Scott Buckley. Lastly, thank you to all the ecologists who have taken part in this series and shared their perspectives on why ecology matters.